0: Hospitals are where we go to get better, not sick. But the scary fact is, hospitals are some of the most hazardous places in the world. On any given day, about one in 30 patients in the United States gets a healthcare-associated infection. Increasingly, the germs that are the hardest to treat, the ones that are killing patients the fastest, are coming from outside the hospital. They're being carried in By the patients themselves. Welcome to Prognosis, a podcast about health and science, medical technology, and the changes that are underway across the world. I'm your host, Michelle Faye Cortez. This season, we're talking about the rising threat of superbugs, bacteria that are resistant to the strongest infection fighting medications available. In this episode, Bloomberg's Jason Gale explores how one hospital became wrapped up in a global mystery and how solving it created a new way to stop superbugs from sneaking into the hospital and harming patients. The solution is incredibly simple, and it's also incredibly important. These sorts of measures are what we need for the war against superbugs to succeed. And fair warning for the squeamish among our listeners— what you're about to hear has a lot to do with, um, well, human poop.
1: Lindsey Grayson is standing over an empty hospital bed, giving a demonstration. He's just rubbed his hands with some alcohol-based sanitizer and talking as if he's admitting a patient. And, um, glad you finally made it into hospital. I'm sorry you've been unwell. Professor Grayson is head of the Department of Infectious Disease and Microbiology at Austin Health, a three-campus hospital system in suburban Melbourne. He's rolled up the sleeves of his blue shirt and tells the imaginary patient what to expect next.
2: Over the next few days, we're going to have to sort out why you're so sick. Um, Obviously, we're concerned about some
1: infections. Professor Grayson grabs a plastic pack off the stand next to the bed. It contains a five-inch-long cotton-tipped stick He and his team routinely use these sticks to screen patients across the 800-bed hospital system. They're looking for antibiotic-resistant bacteria or superbugs. Superbugs can result in life-threatening infections for patients. Screening alerts Professor Grayson and his team to these germs and prevents them from spreading around the facility. The stick looks like a giant Q-tip, but Professor Grayson has another name for it.
2: Here's the rectal swab.
1: It's pretty straightforward. That's right. Professor Grayson collects and screens hundreds of faecal samples annually.
2: Um, You can either take it yourself or otherwise one of the nursing staff
1: can take it. The crucial thing is we need some faecal material on it. The testing schedule works like this. For patients at high risk of getting an infection, such as those receiving an organ transplant, undergoing cancer treatment or having spinal surgery, they're screened on admission and then weekly. Additionally, the Austin carries out a spot check every six months, subjecting every patient admitted over a one-week period to the awkward exam. Professor Grayson and his team don't just test patients. Every month, waiting room chairs, telephones in nurses' stations and other hospital surfaces are also swabbed for drug-resistant bacteria. The reason all of this testing happens is because it gives the hospital staff a snapshot of what superbugs are lurking waiting to spark an outbreak. That knowledge is giving Professor Grayson and his team more time to identify and respond to problems before they turn into crises. Professor Grayson says he became a doctor because of his interest in people. What fascinates him about infectious diseases is the way microbes are constantly evolving to circumvent our treatments. Understanding how the microbes are changing requires him to be something of a Sherlock Holmes of superbugs, always looking for clues about which bugs are trying to sneak into his hospital.
2: It's like a detective, you know, someone comes in with a problem, it's fairly undifferentiated. You're investigating them, you find the bug, you work out which uh, antibiotics hopefully uh, you can use. It's very satisfying. I like, I like humans and talking to humans.
1: This screening process is revolutionary in how hospitals treat bacterial infections and use antibiotics. But it wasn't always this way the story of how Professor Grayson came up with a rectal swab came out of a mystery. This mystery caused Professor Grayson to completely change how he thought about how hospitals care for their patients, and even how hospitals are structured. Before this mystery came to the Austrian, Professor Grayson would just see hard-to-treat infections in patients with weakened immune systems.
2: And often we'd thrash them with antibiotics to save their life, and you know, it's no surprise that they developed a superbug or they picked up a superbug.
1: But something changed a little over 10 years ago. Increasingly, he started seeing healthy people getting these superbugs. Middle-aged businessmen were among the first cases. Even though they were fine otherwise, they were getting critically ill from a bacterial infection that required potent antibiotics. Professor Grayson had never seen cases like these before but he noticed a common history. These patients had recently undergone a biopsy of their prostate gland. Back then, the procedure was pretty routine for checking for prostate cancer. It involved inserting a probe in the rectum, and the probe would be fitted with a needle that would collect a dozen or so specimens for analysis.
2: So the urologist went, put a scope in their rectum and then punched a hole through the rectal uh, wall into the prostate, very standard procedure.
1: Piercing the rectal wall can enable bacteria from the bowel to get into the prostate, bladder and bloodstream. An antibiotic like Cipro was typically given to prevent an infection.
2: Obviously the patient's worried about cancer, but in the past they would have got a a, a dose of antibiotics just before that procedure, so there wasn't transmission of bugs from their bowel into their prostate. But now we're seeing patients who the next day suddenly had their superbug in their blood
1: these men were getting critically ill. They were sick because the Cipro didn't work. The drug didn't work because bacteria in their intestines were chewing it up and spitting it out.
2: You know, we have liver transplant, renal transplant, bone marrow transplant. We've got a lot of high-risk patients here, so we've got a pretty high-risk population, and we have to be very careful with those patients. But we were seeing otherwise healthy people come in.
1: Professor Grayson told me about these cases a decade ago at an infectious diseases meeting. It seemed an interesting anecdote, but a month later a doctor in Canberra said he was seeing the same thing. That sounded like a trend, and some Googling confirmed it. Doctors around the world were reporting prostate biopsy patients were developing bloodstream infections and ending up seriously ill in the hospital days after the procedure. One doctor in Toronto calculated a mortality rate associated with the 15-minute procedure. It was small, but it was growing. I wrote about it, the story got published in many newspapers, researchers cited it in scientific journal articles, and the American Urological Association released a statement acknowledging the risk. Urologists around the globe didn't know what to make of these cases. So
2: this was kind of a big shift.
1: So why were superbugs suddenly appearing in healthy people? How were they getting there in the first place? Professor Grayson was on the case.
3: Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com.
1: Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.
2: We started to talk to those in that case it was men needing biopsies. Quite often they've been overseas recently.
1: That was no coincidence. Around the same time... Researchers in Australia and Sweden had published studies looking at the risks of acquiring superbugs while travelling overseas. The scientists swabbed the butts of dozens of travellers before departure and again on their return to see whether their normal intestinal bacteria or microflora contained multi-drug-resistant germs. The results were consistent. Most travellers to Asia, especially India, came back with bacteria capable of destroying some of the strongest antibiotics. The researchers speculated they had ingested food or water that had been contaminated with drug-resistant fecal germs, and those germs took up residency in their intestines, becoming part of the normal gut flora, like silent stowaways. Later, when these patients got their biopsy and the needle punctured the wall of their rectums, it opened the door for superbugs to escape into the prostate bladder and bloodstream.
2: We had been looking at these high-risk patients and screening them for their own safety and to make sure they didn't spread bugs around the hospital. But suddenly we realised that the picture was getting bigger than this. you know. But now we're seeing otherwise healthy people and there was this link with travel or occasionally misuse of antibiotics out in the community, but more, more often than not it was travel.
1: Globalisation and the international movement of people and food helped explain a large part of the mystery. Another element has to do with the type of bacteria in our intestinal tract. These germs have a certain type of cell wall that appears differently under the microscope in response to a dye. The dye is known as a gram stain.
2: And so that's quite important because the structure of the cell wall gives us a clue as to which antibiotics are going to work better on that bacteria. Now, faeces or poo is you know, a very interesting compound because it's made up of both gram-positive and gram-negative bacteria. But the ones which make you sick quickest and can kill you very quickly are these gram-negative bacteria, which constitute a large portion of our poo.
1: It's the gram-negative bacteria that are becoming more and more resistant to antibiotics, If that's not enough, once these bacteria enter your bloodstream...
2: But they can release a toxin, which is like a pre-packaged hand grenade that drops your blood pressure, alters your whole body dynamics and you go into septic shock without the need for the germ to actually multiply much.
1: The mystery of why these men were getting sick was solved. Men had become susceptible to serious infections because they'd travelled overseas and picked up a superbug. Then, after they'd had their prostates biopsied, those bugs were able to get into places they weren't supposed to, like the bloodstream, and cause these infections. But the story wasn't over. Solving this mystery made Professor Grayson realise something that would change his entire perception of how hospitals work. He realised that if travellers are carrying around these antibiotic-resistant bacteria, it likely meant most people, like you and me, are walking around all day with these tiny, hard-to-diffuse grenades in their bowels, even though we seem fine otherwise. The term for this is colonisation.
2: Colonisation is where the bug is in your system, but it's not causing any trouble. And uh, obviously infection is now causing trouble.
1: If more and more of us are carrying these hand grenades in our intestines, then danger could lurk anywhere. And Professor Grayson could no longer think about the Austin as a place where superbugs were spread by only a handful of high-risk patients.
2: You know, we're one of the first hospitals in Australia to say, we're going to assume the whole hospital's a cesspit. Why don't we just assume the whole hospital's filthy?
1: It's with that idea in mind that Professor Grayson instituted a back to basic strategy when fighting superbugs at the Austin. For example, if something's dirty, bleach is a good way to clean it. So Professor Grayson backed an overhaul of the hospital's cleaning regime that includes bleach. Lots of bleach.
2: Professor of Medicine here said, Lindsay, the hospital smells like it did when I was an intern. I said, yes, Jeff, because... We're using bleach like we used to back in the 70s and 80s. Bleach is neat because uh, it's good because it kills all the known superbugs.
1: The Austin's programs are cutting edge by today's standards for how hospitals treat patients. But Professor Grayson says a lot of these practices, ironically, are rooted in the meticulous attention paid to cleaning and scrubbing that Florence Nightingale, the founder of modern nursing, pioneered in the 1800s.
2: There were some basic principles which, over the years, had been forgotten because of we had antibiotics. You know, my mum was born in 1928, and when they had a scarlet fever outbreak at their primary school, everyone was sent home and the school was shut down for a week or two to stop the spread of streptococci, spatial separation. We don't do that anymore.
1: This old school approach is also why Professor Grayson started using the rectal swabs. Initially, the program cost the Austin 180,000 Australian dollars or about 120,000 US dollars a year, but has since come down by about half. Robotic equipment and technology has automated the testing process. It's enabled doctors to know much faster whether a patient is harbouring drug resistant germs that could increase the risk of a difficult-to-treat infection, and if so, how best to manage that patient, especially if an infection occurs. This kind of screening program has enabled the hospital to spot new dangers, making patients vastly safer. For example, the Austin was the first hospital in Australia to identify a fast-spreading superbug that's especially problematic for liver transplant patients. It's called vancomycin-resistant enterococci, or just VRE. About half of the liver transplant patients who get a VRE bloodstream infection will die from it.
2: We were the first hospital in Australia to identify VRE, and it wasn't because we're dirty, it's because we looked. Uh, We were the first hospital to uh, identify a number of the multi-resistant gram negatives. It was because we had a screening program where we looked. If you don't look, you don't find, and I think there's still a bit of a culture in other places, you don't look because you don't want to know, Uh, whereas there's always been a culture we want to know, and it's only when you know that you can design a a solution.
1: Looking for these superbugs has also helped the hospital begin to predict how they spread. For example, for every patient with an infection caused by VRE, another 20 patients will be colonised with the gut bacteria but not have the disease.
2: There was a recognition that most people who have an infection are colonised first. And the type of germ you've got defines how many people are more likely to be colonised for every infection. So if you've got one patient with a urinary tract infection with VRE, you've probably got 19 patients out there in the ward who you don't know got VRE, colonisation.
1: If you know how many people are likely to have a superbug, it changes how you think about the layouts of hospitals, as well as how much to invest in infection control and surveillance.
2: So here you can see these pink colonies are quite different to these dark blue ones. So whereas before, Professor Grayson
1: gave me a tour of the Austin's Microbiology Lab. It's teeming with technicians in white coats, bacterial specimens and robotic equipment used to culture and test the microbes. Professor Grayson told me the superbug mystery made him realise the importance of identifying patients colonised with certain high-risk germs. For one thing, they should be given individual rooms and not share bathrooms.
2: But if you've got someone who's carrying a superbug, I'm sorry, but they get priority because that's the safety of the hospital at stake. So safety of patient care now dominates everything else and that's probably an important
1: change. The Austin Hospital was built with private rooms making up a third of its capacity. Professor Grayson says future hospitals will have to rethink that design, and it won't be cheap, at least in the short term.
2: You know, as I often say, the rule is pretty simple, one bum per toilet. Well, in the past, many people say, well, isn't it too expensive to have single rooms and a toilet for every patient? But actually, from an infection control point of view, and... Now in the era of superbugs, this will be standard practice in the future. This needs to be built into government thinking and funding that what seems expensive at the start will pay off very quickly in terms of disease transmission.
1: Professor Grayson spends a lot of time thinking about superbugs and how to fight them, something he's known for internationally. A Harvard graduate, he heads a national hand hygiene initiative, advises the World Health Organization on infection control and is editor-in-chief of a key academic text on antibiotics. It's now in three volumes and sits among the reference books lining his office. The next frontier, he says, will address the antibiotic resistance genes that superbugs harbour. A microbiologist once told me that these bacteria accumulate genetic mechanisms for fending off antibiotics, like trains attach carriages. A big difference is that bacteria of different species... And share these methods for evading drugs with one another, giving modern medicine little time to catch up. But for now, the practical efforts at the Austin have at least provided some balance in the fight against superbugs, even things as simple as a sign.
2: You know, as you will have seen when you came to the hospital, there's a big stand there saying, alcohol, rub your hands, don't bring your bugs into the hospital, but secretly as you're walking out of the lifts, it actually says, don't take our bugs home.
1: As we face a post-antibiotic era in which something as simple as a scratch knee could once again kill, these basic principles seem inexorably important. Stopping bacteria at their source will be our key defense. Thankfully, the 21st century has given us better tools to do that.
0: And that's it for this week's prognosis. Thanks for listening. Do you have a story about healthcare in the US or around the world? We wanna hear from you. Find me on Twitter at Faye or send me an email, mcortez at bloomberg.net. If you were a fan of this episode, please take a moment to rate and review us. It really helps new listeners find the show. And don't forget to subscribe. This episode was produced by Topher Forges. Our story editor was Rick Schein. Special thanks to Drew Armstrong, our healthcare team leader. Francesca Levy is head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll be back next week with a new episode. See you then.